How many of you, before you uh, got to uh, the new year, made a resolution? Anybody? I did. I made the resolution that I wouldn't make a resolution. Because it always, I, I just, downhill. But I've learned that as the year goes on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the necessary changes that I need to make. It's sort of like living in, in a form of perpetual change. Because there are times in life that we need to live it like spandex. You just sort of expand and contract and expand and contract. And you make the changes so you are able to make a difference for God. This morning, we're going to look at, uh, now, you're not going to be here for two and a half hours, okay? So when I say this scripture, we're going to look at Numbers chapters 13 and 14, okay? Numbers chapter 13 and 14. So if you'll go there, uh, actually, the first verses we're going to look at is verses 17 through 20. Now, the number one thing that determines whether we're going to be happy in life or unhappy, if we're going to succeed or fail, if we're going to grow or we're going to stagnate, it's our perspective, how we see things. A lot of people try to uh, tell us how we're going to do what we're going to do, if we can do certain things. Have you everybody ever had someone look at you and go, you can't do that. You're, you're not capable of doing that. You, are, uh, you, you just don't have what it takes. Well, for a lot of years, I, I, I enjoyed watching people who were able to do woodwork. I didn't have time to do it. I didn't have the money to buy the tools. And I finally got to the point where, okay, if I'm, gonna, if I'm really going to do this type of thing, I want to be able to get some of these tools and try some of these things. And <clears throat> I enjoy hunting. I, you all are in a great spot because I have spent a lot of time at LBL. I enjoy the woods. I, I deer hunt. I turkey hunt. I just enjoy it. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to build a turkey call that is compact, that, 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 that something different. And she looked at me and said, you, you, you realize you're not a finished carpenter. Her dad was. I never met him because he died when she was seven years old, but he was a, a contractor, a finished carpenter. He could do it all. I said, yeah, I'm going to make that. And she said, but I could tell the hesitancy in her voice and in her face. So I started out, and I thought about it, and I messed up a bunch. I turned a lot of nice wood into kindling. I made a lot of wood chips, a lot of dust, a lot of everything. And I came up with a compact turkey call. And it's one of those that even comes apart. 
I know, some of you ladies are going, oh, that would make such a pretty ring box. But it also serves a great purpose in Some of you are going, oh, stop. But it's one of those things that after I, I, I built it last year, I had never called a turkey in from any distance at all. I've gotten their attention. But I was able, actually able to use this silly thing and call a turkey from 200 yards up to where the guy was sitting that was hunting with me. So I took it back and I said, Lisa, it works. It really works. And she said, I'm surprised. I said, I knew you were. <laughs> Life is that way sometimes. We say we want to do something and somebody looks at us and says, no, nah, you can't do that. But it is our attitude, it is how we see things. Everything that we have or want to be in life is controlled by our perspective. I don't know how you have walked into this new year. Maybe you've looked at the new year as going, ah, it's probably going to be the same thing as the last two. Well, you know, the last two have been terrible, but there have been good things in it as well. You can walk into a new year and do things and, and, and take lemons and make lemonade. But it's how we view it. A lot of people have seen only the negative. A lot of people ha have seen only the bad things in life. And, and there are a lot of people that, that have said there, there's more than one way to look at things. <laughs> They're absolutely right. We can look, look at life positively. Or we can look at life in a negative light. And, and every one of us are going to view life in one of those two ways. It's just a fact. We are human beings. Some people are naturally positive. Some people are naturally negative. And I'd rather be around the positive person than the negative any day. And when I find that I'm with someone any length of time that is, has, a, has a negative lean on life, I spend as little time around them as I possibly have to because it eventually rubs off. We don't affect people, we infect people. Our attitude is worse than COVID ever was. You can catch it in a heartbeat. You can catch an attitude in a heartbeat. If you're around somebody that's positive and they're up and you see that they're that way all the time, every time, you get that when you're around them. If you're around somebody a lot that's negative, it's easy to catch that as well. Now, I want you to look at Numbers 13. Because I, I don't, I, I want to look at this and I want to look at how we're going to look at life. Because what you do will determine the influence you have as a church. You say, well, I, I don't influence folks. Statistics say every human being in the world 
affects 10,000 people just alone. You say, how in the world do they do that? Either negatively or positively. And if you know five people that you are influencers of, they know people who know people who know people, and it's like a big spider web. And you can have an impact for this church that is positive, that will grow the kingdom of God if you look at your life and the life of this church in a light that that says God has something for us to do. And some people would look at this church or them, or maybe you look at yourself as, oh, we're just a country church. We, 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 we can't have a very, very big impact because we don't have a lot of people. Any of you ever heard of Thomas Edison? One person who had a big impact Anybody ever heard of the person who was told they, they weren't a very good writer and didn't have a very good imagination? His name is Walt Disney. He, he did pretty good for himself, I, in my opinion, because he looked at things not as the world said he should see them, but he looked at things as he saw them. And he made an impact on the life of a lot of people. Now, in these chapters, Numbers chapter 13 and 14, Moses had gone to the children of Israel because they had prayed for 400 years to have a deliverer from, from Egypt. So, in the process of, of praying, God sends Moses, and God prepared Moses for 40 years while in Egypt. Imagine that. Moses had been there 40 years. It took 40 years of preparation. I, I'm slow at doing some things, and it's just taken me 60 years to get to where I am now. But Moses was there for 40 years. Now think of this. He had to go and tend sheep for his father-in-law for... 40 more years God had a lot to teach him and then it took 40 years to get to the promised land from there are we that slow when it comes to listening to God because if we if we don't listen to God he's gonna let us wander in the wilderness as a matter of fact, if you look at what happened to the children of Israel, what they did, they got to the door of the promised land that God wanted to give them, and they didn't believe what he said, that I will give it into their hands. And he said, okay, since you don't believe that, let's go for a little hike. And they spent 40 more years in the desert. I don't want this church to find itself wandering in the wilderness. I, I want you to see with the eyes of faith so you can take possession of the land and all the things that God wants you to.
God's not going to give you a mission without giving you the resources to do that. And guess what? You are the resources. And he's going to give you what you need when you need it. Now, I want us to listen to these words in, in Numbers chapter 13, verses 17 through 20. And it says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on, on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. Let's go to God in a time of prayer. God, you have a lot that you want for us. And in many ways, you've shown us what you have for us. You've shown us through your word. You've shown us through pastors. You've shown us through the needs of people what you want us to do. Father, help us to begin to take the journey through this new year. Help us to, to have a vision of what you want. And then from that vision, Lord, help us to undertake the mission to do what you want done the way you want it done. And God, help us not to, to get complacent or, or help us not to, to get lazy. But I ask that you would help us to be excited to do what you want us to do. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You heard what Moses had, had told these spies. There were 12 spies that Moses sent out. And, and he told them, I want you to look at everything. I want you to, to bring it back if you can. Take notes. Figure out what we have to work with. Because in, in, in the very first verse, God talked to Moses and he says, The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. He wanted, him, he wanted Moses to choose one from every tribe. God already said, this is what I want them to look at. I'm going to give it to them. Has God ever made a promise to you and not kept it? You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And as we begin this new year, he's going to give us the opportunity to do things 
for him that will impact a lot of people's lives. Just like he said of the Israelites, they would impact others. That they would have a big influence on the world, and they have. You see, in these verses, he's told them, I want you to go in, I want you to look things over, I want you to figure it out. And when they come back, just to catch you up on the story, he, there's a majority report and then there's a minority report. There always is. There always has been. Because people are people. We don't want to listen to God for the most part. So we have our idea of what things are going to be like. And, and, and Moses says, I'm, I'm, I want to send these people out. You're going to go on a fact-finding mission. And in the process of going on that fact-finding mission, you're going to bring some of the things back and you're going to come back and you're going to give a report. Before we can ever succeed at a goal, as a church, as the body of Christ, we have to do some of the same things that God wanted the Israelites to do. We've got to see it in our lives. God wanted the Israelites to see them taking possession of that land. He wanted them to see what it was like. And he wanted them to bring it back and taste for themselves how good it really was. If we can't see ourselves being used by God for His glory, we won't be. If we can't see ourselves as making an impact in the lives of other people, we won't. I know in, in my life, I worked for a, a service company for a while where houses, if they had, it was sort of like a serve pro. Wasn't served for just another company. But I was put as a team member with this one individual. He was excellent at what he did. But he cussed every other breath. He you've heard the the uh, statement cussed like a sailor? <laughs> he did because he was. He had learned a lot of words that I'd never heard before. And that's pretty good since I worked around drill sergeants for 20 years. First day, everybody said, well, how'd, how'd that go? Because they all knew him. And they knew who I was. I said, well, it worked, it worked fine. Did he embarrass you? Nah. We worked together six months, and before the six months was over with, he would go through a whole day and never say a cuss word around me. Not because I told him, well, you got to quit that mess. Because I never did it. So we can influence people by just living the right way around them. So when you think, I, I don't have an impact, yes, you do. You have an impact on people whether you realize it or not for the good or for bad by just living out what you believe. The Israelites, when these 12 spies went in, they, they, they went in to see everything and when they saw it, some of them gave up before they even tried. Why? 
quite often we give up before we ever try. I remember a bunch of years ago when I was at a church and we had filled the sanctuary and, they, and, and we decided that as leadership, we've got to expand. We've got to build a larger sanctuary and everybody agreed. We got the walls up, the roof on, had to make a few changes. The contractor comes back and said, this is what the, the change orders are going to look like. And one of the leadership says, we've got to stop right now. It's going to cost too much. And I looked at that individual and I said, if you want to kill the church, stop it right now. But if you want to see the church grow and prosper, let's stay on the path that God has for us. We did. The church did grow. The church has paid everything off 10 years ahead of time because God made a difference in some people's lives. Was that a I got to quit alarm? Just making sure. So, so what happens when we look at our future with eyes of fear? I, I don't have any idea how long this church has been here. I don't have any idea how long your pastor has been here. But I, I know people, and there are some people who, who looked at things that were going on, and they looked at it in fear. And they said, I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. Quite often when we, we look at things in fear, we get stressed by conflicting information. That's never happened here, though, has it? There's never been any conflicting information given in, any, in anything. Well, I'm sure it has. But God has a way of sorting things out. But when we, when we get stressed because of that conflict and things go on in our lives, we, we hear good news and we have, hear bad news, and, and quite often we, we stay focused on the bad. How many of you know, what does a, a, a cow do when they eat? When they eat, do they just chew the grass and go, Bloop, that's it? Well, they do. They, for better, lack of a better term, they vomit it back up and chew it some more. And they chew it and... They swallow it, and they do it all over again. And then they do it all over again. Because they want to get all the nutrition out of it. Well, do you realize that when bad things are being discussed or thought of, that's what we do? That we keep gagging it back up and chewing on it. And when we do that, guess what happens? It grows. It gets worse. It gets more horrific as time goes on. Now, I want you to look at verse 28 in Numbers chapter 13. Let 
in verse 28, let me start at verse 26. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh of the desert of Paran. They reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, I want you to think about this. The fruit of the land, it says, if you back up a little bit, it says they picked one cluster of grapes. Now, a cluster of grapes is several, right? You can hold up. Oh, got a good snack going. The cluster of grapes that they picked had to be carried on a pole. Now, I'm telling you right now, I'd like a cluster of grapes like that. I would be totally satisfied. Imagine picking grapes and you find one cluster that you have to get two people to carry on a pole. That's a rather large group of grapes. It says that they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. In other words, it's it's exactly as you said. Sounds pretty good to me. I mean, I I would be ready. Let's go. Let's take possession of that thing. And and they go on and they say, well, here's the fruit. And then they go, "Mm, but. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, in other words, giants. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. In other words, they go through all the big bad people that live in that country. There's the conflicting report. And and the conflicting report says, but. They said how good everything is, but then there's the but that gets in the way. Everybody has a but. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about what you're thinking. Everybody has a but. I could do this, but. That, that is unbelievable what we could do, but God wants me to do this, but. Now, I, I want you to realize that some buts are bigger than others. Because some people look at it and, and God wants us to do things and we go, but I can't. It's the same thing that Moses said when God wanted to send him to the Israelites. He said, I'm not a, I'm not a good speaker. I know somebody needs to lead them out of, out of this bondage, but well, that's a pretty big but there. God said, just shut up. And sometimes when that but comes to our mind, we just need to tell ourselves, and tell Satan, you need to just shut up and get on out of here. Because Satan will take charge of our mind if we allow him. If we're going to let God use us, we've got to let go of the buts in our life. We also have to develop a 
when, when, when there is that minority report, we develop a scarcity mentality. In other words, we don't have enough. I lived that at one church that I was at. They voted to uh, take up a offering once a quarter and give the whole offering to the missionary that was the only missionary in Venezuela. And, and in the process, after a year, they had already raised $25,000. It was a church smaller than this one. And some of the leadership said, I, 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 I say we quit. We need, we need to stop doing this. And when they did, the church began to die because they said, God, we don't have enough. And God looks at them and says, you've already shown what you're able to do. Why do you need to quit now? But they chose to do so, and they turned around. You see, 10 spies said in that 29th verse that these people, they're too big, they're too powerful, they, they have too many resources. And, and when we live life in fear, not only uh, do we have that scarcity mentality, but we even have self-defeating prophecy. We have a self-defeating prophecy. Verse 31, it says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. In verse 32 it says, And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Sort of sounds like people today. Spreading gossip. half-truth gossip, but still gossip, that turns out to be a lie. Because when God is involved, there's always going to be a win. When God takes charge, there's always going to be a win if we will truly allow ourselves to do it the way He wants us to. You see, 12 of them said, we can't do it. Two of them said, oh, yes, we can. Guess what? Everybody perished except those two. They died in the desert. As a matter of fact, if you'll read a little bit further, it says, why in the world would God lead us? It would have been better if we'd have stayed in Egypt or if we'd have just died in the desert. Self-fulfilling prophecy. They did die in the desert. Every last one of them except Joshua and Caleb because they came back and said, we need to do what God said and go possess that land. Another thing is, is we infect others with our negativity. Yeah. We infect others with our negativity. In other words, a lot, a lot of pastors would say, oh, we have some stinking thinking. We, could, we can't do that. I mean, have you heard what they said they're going to do? It's impossible for us. 
i can remember a song from when i was a lot younger that said nothing is impossible when you put your trust in god it's one of those that god says i'm going to be there with you every step of the way and he was he was always there for the israelites but there were times that they weren't there for him too many times we also tell ourselves we are inadequate for the challenges that lie ahead. Inadequate. I, I had that mentality for a long, long time, and I still struggle with that. When I was coming up through the ranks as uh, a chaplain in the Army, I started out as first lieutenant and captain and major, and, and, and I finally made lieutenant colonel. I said, well, I'm sure my career is finished now. Because there weren't, it was less than 10% of all chaplains that went through made it to Fulberg Colonel. And I, and I got an email from the Secretary of the Army that says, Congratulations, you've been selected for Colonel in the Army Reserve. And, and my mouth went, because in my mind, I was inadequate for that position. Because I knew if I had that position, I was going to be responsible for people and I'd already been chosen, which I didn't know. I was going to be responsible for people from Fort Taunton, New York to Puerto Rico. A kid who grew up in a town of 900. I thought I was inadequate for anything like that. And, and, and I walked up the steps at our house and I had that look of something terrible had happened. Lisa, my wife, she looks at me and says, what's wrong? I said, I, 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 I was selected as a colonel in the Army. She said, that's good, right? Why are you looking so bad? I said, somebody made a mistake. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid they'll go, but we, we did make a mistake. It wasn't you. But in reality, it was me, and God gave me responsibility. And during that time, it was not me for sure. And if I hadn't had folks there working with me, I would have said it would never happen, and I wouldn't ever tell the story. But when I was at Fort Benning, Georgia, working with soldiers from uh, Infantry Battalion, 500 were saved in two years. It wasn't because I was a Billy Graham or a great preacher. It was because I was available. And God said, you can do it. So don't ever have an inadequate idea of what you can accomplish. Because with God, you can do anything. So, so what, is, what is the antidote for this negative thinking or this negativity about ourselves you have to learn to look at everything through eyes of faith through eyes of faith I don't know anybody that has ever gotten married that said well it's a happy day but in about a year and a half, I'm going to get divorced. I mean, I've never heard a pastor in a wedding ceremony go, do you take her or him to be your lawfully wedded husband, wife? 
for at least a year and a half. Never heard that. We need to go into this new year with eyes that say we're going to make it to where God wants us to be. And then when we get there, we'll wait for orders to go somewhere else. You see, that's what Abraham, uh, what it was Abram at the time, but God told Abraham, what became Abraham, he said, listen, I want you to pack everything up and I want you to go somewhere I'm going to show you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd have looked at God and said, huh? You want me to go somewhere? Where is that? And God looks at me and says, well, I'll show you when you get there. I mean, I like adventures, but not that. That's called, in a human's perspective, stupid. But to God, he wants to know, are we willing to follow him and do what he says he wants us to do? You see, we we defeat our fears with movement. You can't just stand still. Anybody ever heard of, well, I'm just in a rut? Well, we've either said it or heard it. And you know what a rut is? It's actually a grave with both ends knocked out. You're stuck. And you'll die there unless you get out of it. Don't be a church that is stuck in a rut. Don't be a church that said, well, I've got to see it to believe it. No, you've got to believe it and then you'll see it. Believe it and God will show you. You see, we believe God will help us and then we'll see the miracle. The church that I attend, we have uh, taken it seriously helping folks out that have been affected by these storms that have gone through. Uh, and, and we've had some folks in the church who have contacts and so far we've been able to raise over a million dollars and distribute goods in that amount. Not because we're millionaires by any stretch of the imagination, but God says this is what we want you to do. Now use the resources you have and get it done. And now we have a warehouse bigger than this entire church to put the stuff in to distribute to people. From Madisonville to, to down to Mayfield and further. See, we have people who say, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to get it done. We're going to do what we need to do within the law to help people. Because that's what God wants us to do as the New Testament church. So, so how do you see God's plan for your life? How do you see God's plan for the life of this church? Do you see it in a positive or negative light? Don't, don't be the one that, that causes people to go, I don't know. Look at it in faith and allow God 
to be able to tell you what to do and then be willing to do it. You see, I don't want you to miss God's best for you this year. And God has a lot of great things if we'll just look for them. And this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to, to listen to his voice right now. Maybe, maybe there are things that you've looked at or thought about and, and say, no, there, there's just absolutely no way. I can't, we can't do it, or I can't do it, or, 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 or you're going through a difficult time, or, or you've encountered tragedy, or I don't know. I don't know you, but I do know that God, who loves you, wants to do a work in and for you 